If you look at some of the most prolific winners in history, they won despite. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, thank you for joining the Building Great Sales Teams podcast again. We're at three a week. We are just crazy for this. <laughs> um, but we're getting it done every week. We get we get three out. And, you know, we've only done probably four or five pre-recorded ones in the terms of I was on somebody else's show and I reused that audio for the podcast. But typically that's when I think it brings like a lot of value to you guys. So uh, what I want to talk about today is the thief of joy. And the reason I'm on this subject and the reason that it applies to building great sales teams is because leadership is a huge part of building great sales teams. And if you don't have strong leaders in your, your company, you know, your foundation isn't strong, it's typically going to fall apart. So you need to be finding different ways to create leadership in your team or to add leadership to them and one of those ways I feel like we we have to as leaders in our sales organizations or our businesses is to help our people avoid comparison, right? And this is a pretty, in, in terms of development, self-development, this is a pretty cliche topic, but I want to walk you all through my version of it, right? Because I have different stories around this and, and, and hopefully this reaches some younger years so y'all can not waste as much time as I did comparing my business or my income or my portfolio to other people because it really is a waste of time. And there's, there's several different reasons for that. But I feel like as a leader, we need to stay focused on our main thing, our sources of income and our people, right? And if we do that and if we focus on always making progress on that, we're going to be in good shape. But one of the things I want to bring up is why is it that when we're younger, we're able to avoid comparison? You, I mean, do you notice that? Like as a little kid, we're able to avoid it for the most part, you know, as, in terms of ourselves compared to another kid. The only thing that we really compare is, is like toys and things, right? As we get older, you know, comparison starts creeping in, but like, in my 20s, in my early 20s, comparison wasn't an issue for me. Um, I was just always hungry, always focused on what was in front of me. It made my world very small, which was uninformed, I'm sure. But at the same time, it made me pretty lethal in terms of focus. So I think it's also because the world has low expectations when you're young. So you tend to not compare yourself to someone, you know, being 21 years old. You tend to not compare yourself to someone that's 25. They should be further along in their career, right? But right around, I would say, late 20s, early 30s, everybody should at that point be on the same playing field, you know, with most things, with career and all that. And that's when you start comparing yourself to the person next to you just in general, or you start seeing people that are younger than you do better, right? 
And so we know in general why this is a bad thing. But I just wanted to point out that when we're younger, it doesn't seem, you know, in my early 20s, it was just not a thing because I was so focused on what I was doing. I was so self-absorbed, I guess you could say. And so comparison is a very good tool at first. Competition creates progress. It really does. It drives us. It pushes us. It creates innovation, right? You don't get Kobe without Jordan. You don't get LeBron without Kobe. You know what I'm saying? And so comparison can be a tool, but the the problem that I have with this tool is I feel like it's like the carrot and stick in sales. It only works so far. If you're not developing your salespeople and developing your leaders, the carrot and stick is only going to go so far until they find a bigger carrot or a shorter stick. And so when I, when I was first starting out in door-to-door sales, uh, my original manager was originally trained by a company called Sitcore. And this company is a GOAT company when it comes to door to door. I mean, hundreds of offices nationwide, thousands upon thousands of sales reps, and they were just crushing any campaign that they touched. And at the time, they were the number one AT&T dealer in the nation. And so when I was developing a lot of the original sales scripts and opportunity structures, sales meetings, um, basically scope of work, you know, Sitcor influenced a lot of that because the manager came from there, and so he that's the system that he knew, and that's the system that he used. And so um, we had a lot of Sitcor influences in the beginning, you know, and once we started to grow a little bit and started to create our own systems, that kind of fell by the wayside, and then it just became our influences, right? You know, we got leadership from other companies and stuff like that every now and then, and they brought in their influence, but... For the most part, we were a melting pot of a company. But that didn't change the fact that we looked at Sidcor and other companies like 2020 and all these door-to-door companies as our competition. And then like in Texas, you know, there were several players in Texas that we were competing against, you know. And uh, it's weird how I wasn't really money motivated. I was only competition motivated. So one of the things I did when I was... Uh, when we were young in our company is I asked the AT&T liaison to send me rankings every week of our company, whether it be volume, quality metrics, whatever the case may be. And so right away I realized, okay, we're not going to be able to touch volume nationally, right? We don't, we don't have this powerhouse company and uh, to be able to do that, right? But what we can do is meet a minimum volume so that we can be ranked on metrics. And uh, metrics were like cancel rate, churn rate, um, the uh, uh, product mix, so selling higher price packages to consumers. And so in that area, we could we could actually get on the scoreboard, you know what I'm saying, be in the arena of what they were doing, right? And so that... That drove us a lot initially. We became a quality boutique company. So we weren't doing the big numbers, but our, our quality was through the roof. And what that did is it actually gave us opportunities and new campaigns, whether it be Digital Life, 
or uh, new products that were coming out to test them and to be the, the originators for those products because they wanted to bring them us to first because we knew that they knew that we had quality sales and that if anybody was going to be able to make them work, it'd be us because we were able to pivot because of the way that our sales program was structured. And so that comparison created competition, which created innovation for us. You know, so it, it, it had its place, right? So I always had these top five, this top five goal in my mind, right? And so as we grew and we got bigger, you know, we still controlled our quality pretty well. So we became a household name on AT&T campaigns and door-to-door. And, uh, but somehow we could never do enough to get on stage, right? And so at our peak... You know, we were doing what must have been like three over 3,000 products a month. And that's TV, internet, and home phone, right? And so we were number three or number four in the country on the AT&T campaign doing those kind of numbers. And, uh, you know, they used to have this conference called AT&T Revolution. And my whole goal every time I went to that conference was to get on stage. You know, they didn't tell you if you got an award, you know, and they did regional awards and all that type of stuff. But for some reason, we never could get on that stage. We did get a regional award one time, but it was like in the middle of the year. And so I always wanted to get on that AT&T stage. And uh, so that was my comparison at the time, you know, seeing all these other dealers, all these bigger more successful multimillionaire owner dealers getting on stage and achieving this amazing success. And so the comparison to that pushed me, right? But the comparison does a, uh, a crazy thing. Once you start attaining what you're comparing yourself to, then it kind of turns on you, right? It turns on a dime. It's kind of like porn in that way. Sorry if this makes any, anybody uncomfortable, but it is what it is, right? You're a teenager, at least my generation. You discover porn, and you think, hey, this is what sex is supposed to be like. And, uh, and then you <laughs> experience the real thing, and then what happens, it lets you down, right? And then over time, if you continue watching porn, then sex will continue to let you down because what you're watching isn't real. There's variables involved. They're paid to do it. They're acting, Right? And so comparison is very similar in that way. And so when I was younger and I was sacrificing my values to reach these stages, by the time I finally reached a stage, which was, oh man, 2019, I was the top AT&T bundle dealer and the top AT&T quality dealer. Uh, quality dealer in the region, bundle, bundle dealer in the nation. And so they sent a film crew down to visit my office and to interview me. And uh, it did all this, this cool stuff, gave me the award and everything. And so AT&T Revolution came up, and I was going to basically be presented with the award on stage. I was going to be – I was in all of their marketing because they did the videos and everything, they did the commercials, and so I was going to be spotlighted, highlighted at this AT&T revolution after 
six, seven years in the industry and not getting on this level of a stage before. And so I was super excited about it. And then it must have been a month later before the conference that, you know, everything happened with me and my wife at the time when we separated. And so that was the beginning of our eventual divorce, right? And so a month, not even a month, like a week, the week that that happened, I was supposed to go to Dallas for AT&T Revolution at the Gaylord Texan and be spotlighted and everything. And I didn't go because I was trying to save my marriage. You know what I'm saying? So these two pinnacles happen, right? The end of my marriage and this thing that I had been chasing for seven years to get on an AT&T conference stage as one of the top dealers in the nation. And the fact that they happen at the same time is no mistake. You know what I'm saying? And it was because of comparison, constant comp- comparison, whether it be in business and sacrificing my core values for my business or sacrificing my core values for things like porn and women, right? Because of the comparisons I had watched as I was growing up. And so it eats at it eats eats at us if we let it if we set a comparison and we say hey this is what i want and this you know what this person has or what this award means is what i'm after and then we get there what happens when you finally get there well i can tell you what happens when you finally get there you're disappointed because it turns out if all you were doing was going after this thing and not building something real going after a mission and going after improvement from the day before, then you're going to be sorely disappointed when you finally get that thing. And so comparison eats, eats at us in different ways too. You know, when we see somebody else have what we want or we think somebody else shouldn't have what they have, we become haters, right? And I, I, don't, I don't care what anybody says. You guys post this shit all the time and I'm just beside myself, you know, because I'm like, you don't have haters. (laughs) Like, not real ones, not ones that are actually vocal and actually come out and say it, right? You know, when you post the memes, like, I'm doing it for all my haters, you know. Come on, you're not that important. I'm sorry. (laughs) Unless you're, like, a famous personality, you know. But anyways... The point is you, be, you become a hater when you compare yourself to someone too much, and then what do you do? You start making excuses in the form of variables, right? So variables to me in relation to comparison are the reasons why somebody is where they, where they are. So like with Sidcor, this big door-to-door company, I could say, well, they're as big as they are because they lie to college candidates about the position and they used deceptive hiring tactics. So I could say, oh, well, because of that, they're the top dealer in the nation. And I won't do that because I have integrity, and so I'm not the top dealer in the nation. And so, like, yes, that may be true. You know what I mean? And there may be these things that you're after that other people are getting, but they're only getting because they're sacrificing values, right? Right. But what good does that do you to say, hey, I'm not there because I won't sacrifice my values? What, what good does it do to even verbalize it or to even use it as an excuse to tell someone else why you're not there yet? It doesn't do you any good. 
It doesn't because all it does is give you a mental excuse and your subconscious an excuse not to be there yet. If you look at some of the most prolific winners in history, they won despite, right? They won despite the variables. And so, and the reason that they won despite is because they, all they were focused on is themselves, their thing, their people, their mission, their core values, whatever the case was. And so they were able to win despite because of that. So yes, variables exist and you never know all of them. They are excuses though, and they can be never ending. You know what I mean? Oh, this person's more successful than me because they don't have integrity. Oh, oh, and then you find out they do have integrity. Well, they're more successful than me because their parents have money. And then, and then you find out, oh, they're not, you know, they didn't come from money. Well, this person's more successful than me because they're smarter than I am. Or they're better looking than I am. Or they're healthier than I am. Or whatever the case. At the end of the day, it all ends in excuses and disappointment. And so this is a wasted path when you're justifying the reasons that you're not where someone else is or some other company or some other weight on the scale or some other metric. It's a, it's a waste of time because you don't really know the whole truth, right? You know, and comp- competition has a way of disguising itself as positive comparison. You know, I'm a competitive person, you know, but at the end of the competition, when the ranks are on the board, you know, are you more looking at the rankings or are you more looking at yourself and figuring out, am I better today than I was the day before? I mean, that's, a, that's, that's what it comes down to, right? And so I'll tell you guys a little story about you know, even a couple of years ago when I joined Apex, the, the comparison kind of stealing my joy, right? So think about like, okay, there's different levels to Apex. There's entourage, there's entrepreneurs, and then there's executives. And uh, so whenever I joined, I didn't know there was different levels. And, uh, you know, I was given the price for Apex executives and I, I jumped on it, you know? And so at the time, I think it was uh, $40,000, and now it's like sixty. And so anyways, so I, I paid 10000 and then I made payments. And, uh, and so now I'm in this room with multimillionaires, you know, some, some nine-figure producers with nine-figure companies, you know what I mean, eight-figure companies, seven-figure companies, and uh, my company's trending to, I think, like 2.25 or 2.3 at the time. I've done as much as 5 and 6, but at the time, it was just that. So I'm looking around, and these guys have divisions in their company that are doing that, right? And immediately, imposter syndrome sets in, which imposter syndrome is just another level of comparison. It's you being in a room and not feeling like you belong there because everybody else's dollar amount or the shoes they're wearing or the investments that they have or they have multiple businesses or whatever the case is. And then you you basically become an excuse maker. You, you know, you have one of two things that happen. You become an excuse maker or you become very quiet because you don't want to talk and you don't want to tell anyone what you have or what you don't have because you know that it'll be less than everybody else. 
And so that imposter syndrome just seeps in and seeps in and, and makes you into the meekest version of yourself, which is horrible because then no one can see your light. Now, I got lucky. And the first flying Friday I went to, I sat next to a guy named Marty Toma. And he was the perfect person for me to sit next to. Incredibly successful. Business was probably doing five times what mine was. But he was successful in the marketing end and not the door-to-door sales end or the sales end in general, right? And he was so hungry for knowledge, he was willing to learn something from someone that wasn't necessarily where he was. And it's not like we're walking around with dollar signs above our head here, but, you know, so he asked me what I did, and I told him, and he was like, oh, okay, so you know how to build sales teams. And that was the one sentence that set off everything you see before you, the podcast, the consulting. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. And so he starts walking me through his program, his sales program. We start working on it, and I just come alive. And all of a sudden, I'm the smartest fucking person in the room, (laughs) the way that I'm talking, the way that I'm carrying myself. And so it ignited something in me that I knew, hey, this is my zone of genius. This is what I'm good at. This is what I love. This is what I'm passionate about. And so I was able to overcome the imposter syndrome because of that because I recognized, hey, I have something to offer these people, whether they're doing $100 million a year, $1 million a year, it doesn't matter. I have this niche that I'm very good at, right? And so that's how I was over able to overcome that imposter syndrome and then overcome that comparison factor. And then eventually, you know, I got to help Ryan Stuman do a consulting for his team that they did for uh, Got Credit in, in New Jersey, which is an amazing experience, and I got a lot of positive affirmation from that. So, But what, what did I do? How was I over able to overcome that imposter syndrome, just focusing on what I was good at, focusing on me, and focusing on giving to others. And so that's the question, is how do we overcome comparison? It's the thief of joy, and we do it every day. It's ingrained in us. It's a part of us. Anybody that tells you that they don't compare themselves to other people is a liar. We do it on a daily basis. We do it subconsciously without even knowing. But we have to focus on doing it less and less every day because that's what we're after. We're after being a better and better version of ourselves every day. There is no most elite version of yourself because when you reach it, then you've got another level to go. You always have another level to go. And that, that brings up a good point about comparison in general. There's always somebody that's better at something than you. It's infinite. It's ever-evolving. If you're the best today, you may not be the best tomorrow because somebody would put a target on your back. I mean, when you finally reach it, that's the end. So what should we really be after? And I always come back to this. I feel like we should always be after peace. Peace in knowing that we are improving and we're becoming a better version of ourselves. So what should we do in beating comparison? Well, you got to focus on beating the me that you were yesterday in all aspects. So the way that I beat comparison is I focus on the mission, my personal mission and the mission of my company. 
I focus on developing myself in my fitness, in my family, in my faith, in my finances. I focus on core values and creating that filter that everything in goes through that filter and everything out goes through that filter of my core values. And most importantly, I focus on God. And when I'm focused on all of those things and I'm focused on being a better and better version of myself, whether it's a, a better son to the father or whether it's a better representation of my core values or my company's core values or whether it's better finances, better faith, better with my family, better with my fitness. No matter what, if I'm getting better with those things, then it creates peace. It creates peace in knowing that I'm improving every day. And that is our, that's innately stored in us to improve. And when we're improving, we're living. So I think that's the way you beat comparison. I think that's the way you beat the thief of joy. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. And remind y'all, if y'all haven't seen on my social media yet, that I am doing a fundraiser for Movember. As you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, I got the Mo started. I shaved yes- yesterday. My daughter's going to be very upset with me for this. <laughs> She's going to be very upset with me because she always tells me, Dad, you look better with a beard. I don't want to see you without a beard. Do not shave your beard. And she gets mad when I shave it. So she's going to be upset with me when I get home, but it's for a good cause. So um, Drewby and I are going to do 30 miles on December 17th. In the meantime, we're going to both raise money. Uh, we're, bo- we're both going to raise money. We're going to do a competition. Whoever can raise the most money. Uh, by December 17th for whatever charity we want, which in my case, it's Movember Men's Mental Health. Uh, the the loser is going to have to admit that a South Texas breakfast taco is or isn't a bur- breakfast burrito. <laughs> so if you're from South Texas, you know it's breakfast tacos or breakfast tacos. If it's on a small flour tortilla and there's breakfast taco ingredients inside, It doesn't matter if they roll that sucker. It doesn't matter if they fold it. That is a breakfast taco at the end of the day. But Drewby's maintaining that if it's rolled, it's a burrito. And I get it. You're from Ohio, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not the authority on tacos. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Anyways, whoever raises the most money is going uh, to get the opposer to admit that they were right. So... That means the world to me. It's currently what I'm focused on (laughs) is proving him wrong. And in the meantime, we're going to run 30 miles for our respective charities. You know, mine's Movember is about men's men's health in general, right? It's it's raising awareness to get screened for things like prostate cancer and testicular cancer. Uh, but it's also raising awareness that, you know, men deal with mental health issues too. The men's suicide rate is three times what it is for women. And it's because of this ridiculous pressure that's placed on us to provide, protect, and um, lead our families. But at the same time, you know, we're supposed to somehow, you know, be even in everything else. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, I've experienced that in my life. You know, my friends have experienced it and uh, taken their own lives 
my stepdad took his own life. Um, so it's a, it's a very important cause to me. My goal is to raise $5,000 for it. And so um, if you want to be a part of that, I would love that. I would appreciate that. I don't think I've ever um, sold anything on the podcast here. And uh, so if you want to support me, just go to, any, go to Instagram or Facebook, TXBizDad, on both platforms. And you'll see my, I just posted today, my Movember Day 1. And you can uh, donate there. And we'll include uh, a link in the show notes as well for that Movember uh, fundraising page. So that's going to be exciting and fun. And so the last thing is we will have some pretty awesome things coming out soon. I want to put together an event. I've started writing my book. So I want to keep you guys up to date on all that and the new episodes of the podcast. So if you guys subscribe to the newsletter, then one lucky subscriber in November is going to get a year's worth of Argenta Energy, which is my sales organization's uh, custom energy drink that for the most part all the feedback I've gotten is that everybody loves it I drink it every day myself it's all natural it has real sugar in it only 45 calories and so uh, everybody's been enjoying it so I figured I'd give away a year's worth of that that's 365 Argenta energy drinks to the winner but you got to subscribe to the newsletter for the podcast and that is at buildinggreatsalesteams.com Appreciate you guys, as always, review and share wherever you consume podcasts. Y'all have a great day. Let's get building. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to execute on what you just heard and let's get building. As always, remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts. You can also head on over to buildinggreatsalesteams.com and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast. See you next time.